Hi guys, welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm Adam. I'm Trevor. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And we have a fun-packed episode for you tonight. Um, we had a big uh, question aired out on our Instagram, and uh, it was one of the ant replies back was uh, about combo breaking. So we're going to talk about a couple combos and how to stop the combos whenever you whenever somebody tries to go off and win with them. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Comics Vault, and uh, we're also going to talk about the uh, Secret Layers that came out recently and got spoiled. Yep. And um, stay tuned till the end of the episode. We're going to be announcing our winner for the giveaway of the Box of Modern Horizons. Yep. So, uh, like I said, Secret Layers came out recently. Uh, they're a special product, I guess, that I think I heard recently that they're going to be uh, a thing that's going to happen quite regularly. Oh, really? Possibly. Possibly. If, if they sell well, yeah. then I think there was debate whether they were going to do that monthly or quarterly or whenever the set comes out. But It's basically just like anything else with Wizards. If it makes them a ton of money, they're going to do it again. Yeah. So, there are seven of them. Um, I think, JB, you bought the pack that gets all of them in it. I did. So, they're about <laughs> uh, 30 to $40, and then if you get all of them, I think they're, what, 200 right? Yep, 199 something yep. like that. You buy, basically get one free. Yeah. Pay yeah. for six, get one free. Uh, so, each of these has their own theme, and they're a bunch of premium foils, different artworks than what we're using. Some of them actually make a panorama whenever you uh, put them all together. So we got a goblin-themed one, which is called Explosion Sounds. Uh, we have a uh, Seeing Visions one, which is called Seeing Visions. We have a uh, five-color commander one, which is Kaleidoscope Killers. We have a uh, Golgari-themed one, Restless, Restless in Peace. We have an Eldraine Winter Wonderland, which is all the snow-covered oh, those lands. Those look so good. <laughs> yeah, they, they look pretty They beautiful. look really good. <laughs> they could have just been full art, though. Come on, Wizards. Yeah, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, if you're going to make snow lands after Modern Horizons, just, yeah. just make them full art. I yeah. agree. Especially if they're going to be premium foil and you want somebody to pay, like, 30 bucks for them. Like, come on. Yeah. Throw us a bone here. For real. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, there's a Blitter Blossom Dreams one that literally just comes with Bitter Blossoms and four different uh, yeah. uh, I think versions the fairy, the of fairies. a fairy. Yeah, yeah. the fairies make a panorama. Well, that and the artwork. Is oh, that, yeah. Is that does it go right in the middle? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And that then, was the one I was most excited for because I want a Bitter Blossom for my Yogg deck. Yeah, well, I, well, quite funny is the uh, it's cheaper yeah. than what you would and actually you get all the tokens. Exactly, yeah. I think that's one of the best things about these layers is they are making an effort to recognize the secondary market and reprint expensive stuff that people can go out and get for cheaper than the secondary market price right now. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I would beg to differ on that. I'd say the Bitter Blossom one definitely, you get a good deal on Bitter Blossom. And then the Kaleidoscopes, I think, is that's, also yeah. good. Those are, yeah, those are technically the only two... That I have a positive net value. The rest. Yeah. I think are they were trying to though, is what I'm getting at. Like the secondary uh, market's okay. going to do what it does. You know what I mean? But they at least made an attempt to make the stuff more available to people. Like just to you know put it in perspective, a Reaper King foil, which Reaper King has only been printed once. A Reaper King foil is like ninety dollars or something ridiculous. Like it's nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It might be. It's between like sixty, sixty to ninety. <laughs> nice. Uh, but. 
No, it's it gives you a, a different art, mm-hmm. uh, another foil if you're trying to bling out your Reaper King deck, and for cheaper, obviously, than most of it. Yeah, no, you get uh, you get Reaper King in that. You get a Sliver Overlord, I think that that is, and then a uh, what is it? The the Air Dragon. Yeah, all three of those in it. And oh whatnot. my god, the it's art pretty... the art is just ridiculously awesome now, for all three of those too. One thing that I would like to you know mention, I believe the professor mentioned it when he looked over the secret layers as well. There's no consistency. No. Right, so the Restless in Peace, uh, the Golgari, which has Blood Gas, Life from the Loam, and Golgari Thug. I mean, Golgari Thug, blech. Like, why would you even, you know, hundred billion printings, uh, two cent card, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Why would you? No, nobody cares about Golgari Thug. I mean, I care about Golgari Thug. I run it, but yeah. did I need a premium version of it? Not really. No. You know, if I'm gonna pay twenty nine ninety nine, I want one of the cards to not be Golgari Thug. Pretty plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Restless in Peace aren't foil. Oh, really? Yeah, they're non-foils. I did yeah. not know that. They are non-foils, and if you're going to try and, you know, clap me with a $30 price tag for three cards, I would... And you're going to give me a Golgari Thug, at least make it an alt-art foil. Yeah, yeah So sure. that it's like... A little value back. Yeah, I don't understand, you know, I mean, like... It's still, like, you get three new arts, it's a limited print run, it's print to demand, so whatever they, you know, however many they sell in this opening bit will be how many they print. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know... Well, here's is. my thing on that, is Golgari Thug, like, in any, like, 60-card uh, decks that are, like, playable? Because, like, a lot of the pros are not wanting foils. Like, the... Uh, Eldraine extended arts, the non-foil versions of those are going to be seeing play a lot more than the foils. Yeah, don't the foils curl, don't curl. So. Yeah, or the non-foils don't curl, so you're not, you know, being asked to change your so deck. I don't know. But this is Commander. What like, are you going to do? Call a judge on me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fair. Like, that's true. For I, us, think Golgari, yeah. I think Golgari Thug, though, is played in dredge decks, isn't he? Like in modern well, yeah, stuff I'm, like that? I mean, it's not that... I'm well, not. Yeah, I'm not saying... He was just asking, like, are there sixty card decks that play it? I yeah. think I think it is played in modern. So maybe so the something. modern players want yeah. a non foil. I'm pretty stoked for that version. blood gas. I'm kinda sad he's not foil, but that's okay. Right, that's what I mean. Like why yeah. would you print this really sick looking art and you know also charge me a lot of money for it? Yeah. And it not be foil. That like, life you could have just mm-hmm. easily made it foil. Especially with those, because just look at them. You know if those are foil. Oh dude, They'd if that be, was a foil it'd be and they would pop, yeah. 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 I mean, you're getting most of your value back. You may not be making the exact thirty, but life I mean, alone is twenty bucks almost. And and, and blood gas blood are gas. as well. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, blood gas is like, 10. they're like eighteen to twenty. I don't think they are anymore. No, no, not since uh, Hogat got the hammer. Oh yeah, I do know. I got mine for ten, but it was also because it was a little beat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, thank you, Adam. Like, there's just a, there's just a lot of things that I see that could have been done differently, and yeah. you know, a lot of my points that I would say on that are echoed a lot yeah. in other yeah. content creators. And I just like, you know, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I I bought the bundle. Yeah, like I got the bundle. I am, you know, I am a, a slave to the cardboard crack 
just like just as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not even crack open explosion sounds. You know, I, I I don't care about goblins. I wouldn't open any of them unless you're going to use them and keep well, the rest sealed. See, for me, I would definitely be cracking the Serum Visions one open because those visions. are just beautiful, dude. Like, <laughs> I need. I have four different decks that run Serum Visions. I need one of each of those for like for each deck, man. Like, like those I are mean, beautiful. The arts are insane for the Serum Visions, uh, Christina. Christina Kalanted did my favorite one. It's the the third one. It's the all-seeing eye oh, in the center yeah. with mm-hmm. the, the potion. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. That is insane. I love all of them. Yeah, I, I uh, like them all. I think the, my favorite one is the the one by, oh, I can't even tell what the artist's name is on that. I mean, it's the last one on Mythic Spoiler for anybody who's following DXTR. along Mythic Spoiler there. I... I think it's cool that they went and uh, and did four different artworks and whatnot. However, I'm a little disappointed that it's the same card uh, of all four iterations. I think like you should put like I don't know brainstorm in there should be one of them. Ponder should be Ponder, in there. Yep. Preordain <laughs> should be in there. That'd have been cool to do all four of those. Yeah, give yeah. me different artworks of those. Maybe give me opt. If you're trying to get the same price tag and whatnot, like JB was talking about for Restless and Peace, um, maybe what's the other one? Sleight of Hand. If you're trying, if you're really pulling for yeah. pulling for stuff, I don't know. I was a little disappointed that four of them had to be the same thing, or one of them was all the same thing. And same with the goblins. Like, I mean, you get Goblin King. Yeah, that's a big goblin card for Commander and whatnot. Pile Driver, same deal. Bushwhacker, we kind of we're starting to fall off. Uh, sharpshooter again. We're starting to fall off. And, I mean, at um, least sharpshooter's combo. Piece. I was just gonna say the same thing. At yeah. least that one is a combo. I'll take the bushwhacker too for Broche. Yeah. No, I get. I that. mean, there's niche. There, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not arguing your point. I'm just. I'd take the bushwhacker, but other than that, yeah, for me the pack is trash. Yeah. I think, like, honestly, the one that disappoints me the most is the cats one. Yeah, and then yeah, absolute. As far as looking at the sheer value of it, trash. There is no value. Yeah, Uh, I mean, for a lot of the people who love cats and like to build tribal cats, I mean, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, you get some cool arts for stuff, but yeah, value-wise, it's. And I, I think that that I'm trying to remember which which two there's there's two that are forty dollars. It's thirty nine ninety nine plus shipping. I think it's the Kaleidoscope Killers and then... The Cats. It, is it the Cats? I think so, Is it yeah. the Cats? Really? Mm-hmm. That's surprising. I, I, I honestly can I see can't it remember. Being, I can I see it being the honestly. land pack, yeah. Because the lands, those are going to fetch a price. They're going to be uh, nice. Dude, why would they print one of each and only one in this secret lair? They're lands, wizards. Just print a play set of them. Yeah. You know, you give me 16 lands for $30... You know, I just don't... It, yeah, but you could go out and buy 38 secret layers for that <laughs> to get your land I hate base. You. I hate you. Dale secretly <laughs> works for Watsy R&D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, a little underwhelming to me. I think they're cool. It's a good idea. Um, I hope they do very... If it does very well, and maybe that gets them an itch to do some more. Um, and hopefully they do better than next time. Obviously, it's not going to get everybody's fancy into this product and stuff like that. But I, I think they just could have done better. I don't know. 
Well, I think, too, that now that some people have got their hands on them and opened them up and it's been revealed that they're all going to include a random uh, stained glass planeswalker in yep. them. That For the first print run. That is going to make the values fluctuate extremely because mm-hmm. some of the planeswalkers are obviously, you know, $2 cards or whatnot, and but some of them are going to catch a fine you price. You can hit Time Rattler. So, yeah. you know. As a, Basically, as a the ones random. that are going to be worth money are going to be the Lily and the Teferi. Like, that right there, for me, is going to be, if you are buying these, like the bundle like you did, or multiples of them, just open the ones that you want to play with and leave the rest sealed because eventually the prices on them sealed products are going to go up just because people are going to treat it as like, oh, wow, there's, there's a lot random cards, chance yeah. you can get in a lottery card, you know? So I did hear, and I could be wrong, I'd be gl- gladly re- corrected on this, but I did hear that the cat one gets the Ajani stained glass planeswalker, period. The yeah. serum vision one gets Ashiok, period. The rest are random, though. Well, I hope not. Like, I saw one dude's opening. It was a picture that I think was circulating pretty much pretty regularly around Facebook with somebody with all seven of theirs opened. Yeah, with and the, the planeswalker planes sitting on each pile. I think he had the Ashiok, the... Um, Tameo. It was the Ashiok, two Tameos. He got a Tameo out of two different packs in the picture I saw. <sighs> yeah, so two Tameos. Suck. Yeah. Two Tamios, Ashiok, um, a Johnny. I think Chandra came with the Goblins. Like, one of the Chandras came with the Goblins. And I can't remember what else there was there, but yeah. Two Tamios, which is not awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, me, quite personally, I'd be excited if I got Ashia. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Our set. Yeah. Um, I want the Bitter Blossom pack and the Serum Visions pack. Those are really yeah. the only two that I'm interested in. And I don't even know what I would do with either of those. I mean, I, I know exactly what Visions, I would do with the Serum Visions pack, yeah. <laughs> I have a promo of the Serum Visions, like yeah. the Serum Visions pro- Friday Night promo. So, like, it's just, I like that one. Well, yeah, but you only have one. You know what I mean? I know, I know you, Mister Blue Player. You've got plenty of decks that run Serum Visions. <laughs> no, I mean, I only have one that runs Serum Visions. Really? And that's Mizzix. See, you know what's interesting is I actually don't run Serum Visions in any of mine. I'm an Opt fan over yeah. Serum Visions, but if I got those promos, I'd be like, mm, I'm gonna have to tuck these in. <laughs> but isn't Serum Visions like a sixty card staple? Yeah. Staple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you. Yeah don't necessarily want four different versions of that card in your deck because then the yeah, players someone can see seizes that you, you yeah. casted this one already and now they know how many you one. have left. Yeah. You'd rather just have all four of the same art. Yeah, for hyper-competitive play, I can see where it would be like maybe a downer. But For blinging out commander decks, yeah. I think they're great. Oh, yeah. We're not called the 60-card vault, Dale. I know. <laughs> called the commander's vault. <laughs> sure. Um... But yeah, I think I think that about wraps it up for Secret Yeah, yeah pretty much. much. Overall, cool idea. I think the the fact that they added the lottery cards into the packs makes it a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool that they didn't tell you either. Yeah, like, that correct. was something that was found out upon receipt of product. You know what I yep. mean? Like, and then I believe that if they choose to do more of this going forward. Um, just listen to feedback. Like, make your product more consistent uh, overall. If they're, if the secret layers are going to be mostly foil, make them all foil. Just make all of them foil. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just don't understand because a lot of these premium products are being bought by, you know, one of the largest 
player bases out there, a.k.a. Commander. Yep. Yeah. You know, if these Command Fests haven't proven anything, if the success of the Brawl decks and the Commander decks haven't proven anything, it's that we're massive. Our entire community is just huge. Well, you got to think the people who play Standard and Modern probably also play Commander, too, yeah. on the side. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a format played by everybody. For the most part. Yeah. If it, it takes nothing comparatively to a standard deck or modern deck to build a commander deck. Mm-hmm. You know. We're you know, we were even talking about doing a budget challenge, twenty five dollar decks. Yeah. You know, and, and just having Yeah. That I mean it, quite honestly, I mean twenty five's hard in commander, but like even fifty is just something that would be easy to do and be fun no, to do. Twenty five we're doing 25. Okay. I'm just going to have Ashling the Pilgrim, one fetch land. That's going to be my $25. And uh, 99 mounts. Or 98 mounts. That sounds, that sounds like a plan. Uh, well, yeah, let's move on to the bulk of the episode and uh, talk about breaking some of these combos. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as we were putting out um, for the Modern Horizons box, Dale was asking everybody for feedback and combos was talked about a lot and how to stop combos uh in order to combat them whether it's i mean not too many people but do competitive but like even still these combos will kind of rear its head in uh commander or whatnot yeah yeah i think that you know like we were speaking about before we started uh flash hulk isn't seen at every table, but Micaeus has like what two printings now? Mm-hmm. Three printings, yes. ultimate and uh, dark ascension. Yeah, so he's got two printings. He's pretty out there. You know, I don't think he's a super expensive card anymore. No, you it's know, like twenty thirty. Between, I was gonna say, yeah, between 20? twenty and thirty. Yeah, uh, is still pretty expensive. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's a fulcrum that can win you the game from a lot of avenues. So I yep. can see people just investing in that. Yeah, but you know. We're not, we're, less than a dollar. Yeah, we're not, mean, we're not yeah. going to, like, my point is we're not going to, like, sit here and I'm not going to dissect all 20 variations of the Flash Hulk combo and piles and whatever. And, yeah, so. I mean, if you, if you have an interest in it, I'm uh, Trevor went over it in what episodes? Was it six it or was seven? seven? It seven. was seven. The Arch Enemy uh, episode. Yeah. So I basically can, went over how to specifically combat the Shuffle Hulk package for Hulk. So you can find more information about that there. Uh, essentially, it comes down to stopping the mill or just getting rid of Hulk altogether. And in the last episode where we did our top five lists, uh, I went over when to respond to dead eye triggers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you want to listen to that, go ahead and give that give that a listen. That was our last episode. Um, so I mean, I'm not gonna. We're not, I won't talk at length about dead eye. Yeah. Triggers again. Yeah. Uh, but even then, there's still, I mean, it's Commander. You have so many cards just in the format, there's so many combos. So yeah. Yeah. we just picked out a good good chunk of uh, combos that you might see at your table. Uh, and in fact, if we, you have a combo that's dominating your playgroup, you know, shoot us a, shoot us a message at yeah, uh, Commander's Hall Instagram it. or the, the Facebook page, and we'll, you know, I'd be happy to dissect it with these guys and tell you how to 
destroy sure. it. You know? Yeah. We could have spent probably a whole episode going over just combos you'll find in a Yawgmoth deck. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? like, yeah, boy. Just all the synergies in the in the Yawgmoth deck. You could probably spend a whole episode just talking about him. So, like JB said, there are a lot of different things out there. We just kind of brainstormed a few with all different levels of like um, power. For example, that we've got, you know, a CEDH combo on there, but the rest are pretty much stuff that you'll see at regular play. Well, since you guys are talking about a uh, Yawgmoth combo, what's a common combo that you guys come across? Maybe the, these guys have. Uh, um, seeing well, Bolus's Citadel, Aether Flux. Yeah, I think um, Sensei's top I th- slash Necropose. Exactly. I think one of the biggest, you know, discretions that we need to make—not discretions. I don't know. Distinctions. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my god. So, the very important distinction that we need to make is the difference between a combo and a synergy. And a synergy. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So Yogmoth synergizes. With Nest of Scarabs. Yes. It is a non-infinite, yep. uh, you know, loop that you have to keep, you know, doing yep. manually. Uh, but the uh, it doesn't win you the game. It's just very synergistic. They play off each other very well. Whereas Bolus's Citadel, uh, Aetherflux Reservoir, and Sensei's Top can just win you the game flat yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with any of those cards, uh, Bolus Citadel is a six drop. It's a three black and three. is a legendary artifact that says you may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast the top card of your library by paying life equal to its converted mana cost. And then it has a tap effect that says... What is it? It's tap, sack, ten, ten permanents. Yeah. And then deal ten damage yeah. to target player. No, all players. Is it all players? Sure yeah. all, all opponents. All opponents. All opponents. Yeah. Yep. So. And then Aetherflux Reservoir, uh, four drop artifact. Um, whenever you cast a spell, uh, you gain life equal to the number of times you've cast a spell this turn. So if Aetherflux is your first spell of the turn, you don't gain any life. But after that, you'll gain two. Then you'll gain three. But it's, it's a pseudo-storm only for yourself. It doesn't take into account the, all the spells that are cast, just the stuff that you cast. So, um, And then it has the clause. Uh, it's an activated ability. Pay 50 life, colon. Uh, deal 50 damage to target creature or player. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so, you, I mean, starting at 40 life, if you can climb quickly to 51 life, you can kill somebody. At least one player at the table. Um, but with... Sensei's top, which hopefully everybody knows, but again, it's a one-drop artifact. Um, for one, you can look at the top three cards of your library, put them back in any order, and then tap, draw a card, put Sensei's top on top of your library. So you can sort of use the Sensei's top to dig. Um, you want to use its look ability if you can. You want to use the draw ability to kind of wade through like lands, for example, that you might not be able to play with Bolus's Citadel. Um, so just as an example, if I look at the top three and, you know, one of them is a good card, okay, I put that on top, I cast it with Bolus's Citadel. Now I need to dig through two lands, so I'm going to tap and draw a card with the Sensei's top. It is now on top. I'll pay one life to recast the Sensei's top, and you can rinse and repeat that to dig through the stuff that you don't want to cast. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. And yep. with Aetherflux on board, every time you're casting that Sensei's top, you're going to gain one more life. So it'll be three life, four life. So would would you say a way that I could stop that would be 
once the top goes back on top of your library, say I'm uh, playing green, and I could cast... No, that wouldn't work because it would be a source. You can, like, to activate the top, you have to tap it. You can K-grip, or Crozen Grip, which is a, a green instant. It's two and a green. It has a very particular uh, uh, ability. Yeah, yeah ability grip, that is split second, which means that nothing can go on the stack on top of it. While it's on the stack. Correct. Yep. Except for mana abilities. It's like a 2 or a $3 card. I highly recommend that if you're playing green, you make the investment. It is... It's... It's great. <laughs> you want to make blue players cry when you're blowing up their stuff? Yeah. Because they Take can't great. react to it. Yep. yep. It's great. Adam but, sheds a tear. <laughs> yeah. But uh, crows and gripping on a, a, a top is the surefire way to get rid of it. Yep. Every time. Uh, I mean, hell, you could K-grip the Bolas to Citadel, too. Or the Aether Flux, for that matter. But honestly, the be- I think the best bet in order to stop that whole combo is to stop the Aetherflux Reservoir. Is to blow up the Aetherflux Reservoir because that's what's you're not fueling you. the yeah. yeah then it, the Bolus Citadel isn't being fueled by the Aetherflux. Yeah, it, I don't know. There's really no good. Then you can go and get. Uh, I mean, you can go get um, Necropotence. Yeah, and do the same thing. For me, if I was going to blow up one thing, it would be the Bolus Citadel. Yeah. Bolus yeah. Citadel, too strong. Yeah. I've gushed over it in like, many episodes. A few yeah. episodes. Towards yeah, the it's fantastic. Our, yeah. yeah, great card. Uh, if you if you just need a, a one and done, a band aid it. Go ahead and just chuck it, chuck it in the bin. Yeah. Throw destroy, you know, destroy Bolus Citadel is what yeah. I would say. So if you're running green, you could do that. If you're because yeah, none of if what you're the, in a color say that's not green, and you could run the uh, seven drop colorless instant speed Scour. exile scour from yeah, existence. Yeah, scour from existence. You could run that. And you could exile. Yep. You know. Yep. Exile the bolus of citadel. There's no way to recur it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've climbed back to a win with a bolus of citadel out, and I was under ten life. Like it is definitely the powerhouse of that little combo. Absolutely. So getting rid of the Bolas of Citadel is where it's at. Yeah. And I mean, it, within the same deck, but also in many other decks, because it is a technically a mono-black combo, is uh, Machias the Unhallowed and any combination of Triskelion or Walking Ballista. Mm-hmm. With a Sack Outlet. With a Sack... Uh, there's still the, like, the main two pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's one more... And it's Mephidros Vampire that you can use. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I actually don't even know that one, yeah. Yeah, give me like two seconds and I will show you what Mephidros Vampire is. While he's looking that up, um, let's talk about McKay's and Triskelion. So, Adam, why don't you tell us about Mike? So, um, Mike, as we like to refer to him, is a six drop, um, what is he, three black and and three three colors? He's a six six. He has Intimidate stamped on him. Um, and he has, whenever a human deals combat damage to you destroy as a player, it. destroy it, and then all non-human uh, creatures gain undying and plus one, plus one. So with... Uh, your. Yeah, uh, your, yeah, your. Your creatures. Yeah, your creatures. Um, so Triskeleton is a six drop. It is a one, it is a zero, 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 right? Or is it a one, one? Uh, Triskeleton's a three, three, I believe. It's a zero, zero that enters with three plus one characters. There we go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No. Right? 
it's a one. We're just gonna look at it. It's a one one. A one one with. Yeah. Okay. So we're not screwing around here. <laughs> um, so basically, he enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on him. Uh, in order to get the combo going, you use a counter. You ping, let's say, me and Dale are sitting across from each other. I'm going to ping Dale uh, twice. Um, I'm going to peel, uh, I'm gonna peel, ping Dale once. And then I'm going to pin uh, Triskeladian twice in order to kill Triskeladian off because yep. he's getting the buff from Micaeus. Now he'll hit the graveyard. The Undying trigger will activate. He'll come back with a plus one, plus one counter. Now I'll ping Dale twice. I'll ping him twice. It'll go back and hit the graveyard again. It'll come back with a plus one, plus one counter. And I'll rinse and repeat that same combo until he dies. Um... And then for the walking ballista, now it's essentially kind of the same thing. It's easier to get out with like a protean hulk package, but that's for another time. Uh, he's a zero zero, so he'll come with just the plus one plus one buff from uh, Mike, and then so you'll go to kill him off with a sack outlet of any any choice. You need the sack outlet for this one. Uh, he'll come back with the undying trigger. He'll have a point of a. He'll have a counter. You'll deal a point of damage. Uh, sacrifice him to the outlet. He'll yep. come back with the undying trigger, and so on and so forth. Some of the common outlets you find with this method are things like viscera seer, um, carrion feeder, or the altars like Ashnod's and mm -hmm. uh, Phyrexian altar. Getting mana out of it is nice. Yes. The nice thing about this too is you can actually pay nothing for the walking ballista, so you can yeah. just you can just have the six black you need for Micaeus have your outlet out and um, literally pay nothing for the ballista because he's going to come in automatically with a 1-1 one, one counter on or a plus 1 plus 1 on him from Micaeus and then you just ping him. Mm -hmm. yep. Alright, so now the when's going to be the proper time to respond to these combos to stop them? So for Triskelion, uh, I think like we were talking about earlier, the best time is to try and blow it up um, on the first ping. Yes. So the first time that our counter is removed, you're going to want to Crozen Grip the Triskelion. Crozen Grip is really, honestly, the only removal spell I think that really works for this because of the split second. Because if I go to Beast within the Triskelion, the active player who is trying to Micaeus Triskelion combo can just, in response, continue pinging things. Well, you, can, you can kill it on the first ping with a K Grip. Yes. Or you can kill it on the last ping with a nature's claim. Right? Is that it? Well, one would still come back from undying. So, like, right. you didn't stop it. You know what I mean? So, you could kill... Like, the K-Grip is really the only way Mikaeus to stop it. You could kill Micaeus to stop it. Yeah. Or, when Triskelion hits the graveyard and the undying trigger goes on the stack, you can bajukabog them. You could you cast could. Yeah. anything that allows you to fairy exile macabre. their graveyard. Yeah, fairy macabre is a three drop. Uh, fairy, discard it and remove two cards from a graveyard. Well, there's there's also just a slew of black cards, like one and two drops that are just like, you know, exile a creature from target players, from yeah. players graveyard, target creature from players graveyard, you get a 2-2 two -two zombie or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, I Withered can't... Wretch is a good one that I've been trying to work in a Yawgmoth. It's for two black, a 1-1 one, one, and one generic exile a card from a graveyard. Yeah, so what's, what's the new green game? one? One drop and one green, I think. Uh, return to nature. Return to nature, yeah, yep. where you get three choices. One is exile card oh, it's from super the graveyard. Good. Yeah, return to nature. I have actually, 
I've have dismantled that combo with a return to nature before. Yeah, great card. Yeah. So I mean, the big deal here is to get rid of Micaeus, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Micaeus, the real problem. Yeah, Micaeus is an engine himself. Like even if you don't have the walking ballista and the triskeleton, or, or the vampire, did you ever find? Did you ever find that vampire? Uh, I'm actually just a really bad magic player, and I thought it was creature or player, and it's only creature. Okay. <laughs> so that's a way to, to board wipe, essentially. Yeah. Um, Micaeus, like I was saying, Micaeus is an, a value engine to even go as far as, like, uh, one of my favorite things is to just do Tribelder and just sacrifice Tribelder twice and get two triggers Sidisi. off of it. Undead yep. Vizier, get two two triggers off of a Sidisi. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, the value from just a Micaeus alone, even without the combo finisher, is pretty gross. So if you see Mike, you want to get rid of him as soon as possible, because chances are some some fuggery is going to follow next. Yeah. Now, Michael Trichel is... <laughs> yeah. So now, like, even whenever he go, whenever you go to do like the Mike and Trike or the Walking Ballista uh, combo, before you go and cast like Triskeleton or Walking Ballista, you want to want to deal with uh, Mike. Like, let's yep. let's say for instance, sure you're sitting there playing a game, they're getting a bunch of value, but it's not really hurting you until they go to do that, and then uh, before they get the Mike or or the Triskeleton or the Walking Ballista on board just sorts the plowshare and get rid of the uh, mic yep. and get rid yeah. of it and whatnot. Is there a way to get rid of it before you go up, before they go, while they're going off? Uh, that's where you do last ping. Last yep. ping. So with the last ping of Triskeleton on the stack, the uh, you get rid of the Micaeus. Mm. So then the Triskeleton the will go off and then it won't come back. Because, so you get yeah. but rid of both pieces at the same time. Uh, now the walking ballista is a little harder to get rid of only because they have the sack outlet. Yeah. So they can... Just respond by sacking it. Yeah. Uh, with their... Uh, when they sack the walking ballista to respond to you, you know, to get their counter back, mm -hmm. you can... The undying trigger is interactable. So it will hit the graveyard with undying. Undying triggers brings it back to the field. You can respond to that undying trigger, get rid of Micaeus. Now they'll still get Walking Ballista with one counter on it, but that How is far nothing. Is that gonna go? yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so, I like that responding to the undying trigger. To me, is more cheeky because you can. Just wait until they declare their targets, and they go around the table. They go, boom, I'm going to kill you with a combo. Boom, I'm going to kill you with a combo, and you're holding that. I'm going to exile a card from your graveyard. And then as soon as they try to start hitting you with the damage, then you go, okay, now I'm going to exile. Yep, and uh, then you just let them take care grave. of two players for you. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, timing on these is definitely key, for sure. They can use it to your advantage, you know what I mean? Like Dale said, if, if they're not targeting you first, then hold that response. Let them kill the other two people at the table and then just try and duke it out with the last guy. And if you stop his win con, chances are he he might be a little dead in the water at that point. You might be able to swing the game. Especially if, like, Michael Triskelion, uh, Micaeus can do good things without walking Ballista and Triskelion. It can do okay. But you ain't putting Triskelion in a deck where you don't have... Micaeus, yeah, ninety percent sure. of the time. Yeah, I sure. mean, it's just not that great of a card. No, you know, yeah. and even if you are using Mephidros Vampire, which is a four, it's a six drop, four and two black. That whenever a creature deals damage to another creature, it gets a plus one plus one counter. So you can board wipe with the Triskelion by pinging 
their mm-hmm. whole board. But, eh. Yeah, and nobody's going to really do that. Yeah. yeah. Another way in order to um, stop this combo before it would go off is, like, uh, effects like the Pithing Needle effects. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, you get to name a card, and the activated abilities uh, can't activate unless they're mana abilities. So uh, that one, Sorcerer's Spyglass, is, is one recently that came out. Uh, Phyrexian Revoker is something that I use a lot of the time in order to stop activated abilities. That'll kind of just shut them off in order for yeah. them to not even you wanna, be able to do that. You want to choose the Triskelion or the Walking Ballista in that yeah. instance, too. Choosing Micaeus does you nothing because none of his abilities are activated on his card. Yeah, they're just static. Yeah, well, on the other side, I will say that if you're playing the combo and you're trying to win... Don't go around the table and be like, I'm just going to put all the damage at you and kill you, and then you. Just go, I'm going to ping you for damage, then I'm going to ping you, and then I'm going to ping you, and then just do that yeah, way. Like that way people don't the players, yeah. hold You kind of response. force their responses, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah, um, I think we've talked a lot about – I've talked enough about Mike and Trike. If you guys have any additional <laughs> questions, though, definitely reach out on Instagram or at the Facebook page. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – the, the next one is that we kind of thought about is Food Chain. It's kind of a common one yeah. that we kind of see around a lot. I'll let you talk about it. I mean, that, we so. see it here. I mean, fair. But food Chain's like a pretty expensive card. So yeah. we'll, we'll go over that real quick. But yeah, you probably see. you know you probably won't be seeing Food Chain at your yeah. kitchen table. We have right. been seeing it resurface a little here. Um, I've been playing Proche for like almost three years now. So I'll definitely I'll clue you guys in. <laughs> the more competitive your meta is, the more likely you'll see. Yeah. Stuff so this like is this. our this was our one CDH choice for combos and stuff like that. You never know. You might sit down at the table with some guy who's just a doucher and wants to pub stomp the table when he pulls his food chain pro deck out against a bunch of you know casual decks. So this will help. Um, so for those who don't know, food chain's a three drop enchantment <laughs> for a green and two uh, exile target creature. And then you add mana to your mana pool equal to X plus 1, where X is the converted mana cost of the creature, and it's only of one color. Um, so the way it works with Prosh is, let's say it's the first time I've cast Prosh, um, just as a quick heads up for Prosh, whenever you cast him, you create X um, zero one kobold tokens, where X is the amount of mana that was spent to cast him. So innately, you're going to get more kobolds the more times you cast Prosh due to commander tax. So the first time you're going to get six, since he's a six drop, the next time you'll get eight, so on so forth, based on the tax. Now, the way the food chain combo with him works, at least for the mana portion of this, um, to get infinite mana, is you want to exile Prosh to food chain to get, you know, seven black. Um, since, like I said, it's X plus one, so you'll get six plus one um, of black. Then sack a kobold for a red, a kobold for a green, and you've got enough mana to recast Prush again. Um, the next time you just sack two more additional tokens to cover the extra tax, and you will always be mana positive. Now, there is a caveat on food chain. You can only spend this infinite mana to cast creature spells. Um, so... Having a walking ballista in your hand after you get all the mana with that is really nice. Just have an infinitely fat ballista and ping everybody to death. Um, having Perforos out on board or an Impact Tremors will do it just sheerly by performing the combo because all the ETBs from the Prosh and the Kobolds will kill everybody at the table. Um, conversely, you can do infinite death triggers um, with something like Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat out because Prosh has a sack outlet stapled on him. So for a uh, sack of creature, Prosh gets plus one, plus zero. 
until end of turn. Uh, a haste enabler. Yep, a haste yes. enabler like like Goblin Bushwhacker or something like that. Um, yeah. So basically, the way you want to stop this is to just blow food chain up. I mean, that it's pretty straightforward. If you just get rid of food chain, it sort of stops the combo altogether. It's a relatively simple thing to do. Um, you can, you know, you can try and keep people from casting Proche or just like keep blowing him up, so that way it makes them makes it harder for them to cast him. Typically, people who are playing this combo are trying to jam Proche out as quickly as possible. So. If you can blow them up really fast, early game, it's going to be harder for them to cast them again. Are people actually trying to cast Proche before they have the food chain? I do, sometimes, because he still can, like, if for some reason I feel like Adam is holding responses <laughs> for my food chain, I can still try and go Proche beats with him. Uh, recently, like, I have Fecundity in my deck, which is a three-drop enchantment. Whenever a creature dies, that creature's controller draws a card. So sometimes I like to just cast them just to try and dig a little with something like that out. Okay. Um, it's not optimal to do it. Like, Prosh is actually plan C in most combo Prosh decks. You want to try and get Squee or Eternal Scourge out and do the loop yeah, that way. Because okay. they cost three, whereas Prosh costs six. So a lot of your like nugget creatures like Dark Confidant, Dockside Extortionist, people like or cards like that that you're gonna run as your utility creatures will sack for three food chain mana to allow you to cast Squee and Eternal Scourge, either from Exile or from your hand or something like that. So Gotcha. But still the big deal here is to get rid of food chain. Um, that is the crux point. It they can still beat you. Like, I can still beat you without a food chain. That's no problem. I run backups for that sort of thing. But, yeah, like, permanently removing the food chain is where it's at. Um, it really is that simple, honestly. <laughs> Again, Crows and Grip, great card. It'll keep them from being able to, in response, continue the combo. Because, with like, with most things, this is an instant speed interaction. So, if you go to Simply Beast within my food chain, I can just respond by continuing to exile my creatures for mana. What? And if I have... Can you respond to the next Prosh cast? Oh yeah, you can. Next, yeah, like mm -hmm. you, they cast the Eternal Scourge yep. on the stack, blow up the food chain. Yep. That will, if you're doing it with Prosh, you still have the Kobolds. Yeah, because the Kobolds the, come get, in on cast to get the mana. Yep. Yeah, you'll still have the Kobolds to to yeah. cast or to get rid of for mana. But I think. Responding to one of those crux creatures yep. casting will allow you to get a, yeah. uh, a good response for yeah, the future. Because if that creature, for example, if it was Squee or Eternal Scourge, if that creature hasn't entered the battlefield yet and you blow Food Chain up, then I can't in response do that because the creature's not on board. So yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't really think about that. While the creature that the player who's running the combo is using is not on board, either in exile or whatever, what have you, in their hand, in the command zone, what have you, that's when you want to blow food chain up. That's another good opportunity. Uh, if we, if it hasn't been stressed enough, uh, Crows and Grit, great card. I would just <laughs> yeah. definitely invest in a Crows and Grit. Yep, $2. Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, printed a whole lot. <laughs> and a lot of those, a lot of those creatures, um, Eternal Scourge, What's the power toughness of Eternal Scourge? It's a 3-3. Three, like three. Three, yeah. Is it a 3-3? Three, three? Yeah, Squee is like a 2-1 or a 1-1, one, one, but Eternal Scourge is a 3-3. Three, three. And so like for if you're playing against uh, someone who's trying to combo off with Squee and you play Sudden Shock, 
Sudden Shock is the is basically the card Shock, which yeah. is deal two damage to target creature or player uh, with split second. With split second, Isn't it yeah. a two drop so, or whatever. So overarching, so. overarching over the Crows and Grip. Split second, great mechanic. Yeah, just exactly. fantastic. It's a exactly. super powerful mechanic that yeah. I don't think it we'll really ever is. see again. Well, we no, did just we did. see it again. We did yeah. see it again. Yeah, forgot about that. I did um, too, actually. I yeah. Well, that's great. That's <laughs> the thing um, about most of these combos that we're going to talk about is that most of it is just knowing when to respond on the stack. Exactly. Most of the time, yeah. it's just honestly just blowing it up. Yeah, honestly. Like, I hate to tell people to just counter it, but honestly, guys, just counter it. Like that's that's yeah. where it's at. Like if I'd you... say that green is probably the most efficient at stopping combos aside from blue and countering it because. Green has Crows and Grip, and most combos rely on an Some artifact, kind of artifact or, or enchantment. enchantment. Yep. Yes. Yep. So, yep. Uh, the next one we kind of have here is uh, the Nim Death Mantle combo, and I know Dale's been talking about that recently yeah, a lot. This one's so pretty I'll popular. Let, I'll let Dale talk about this one. A lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a good segue too because uh, Prosh can combo with that as well. So basically, what you're going to do is you're going to have a uh, sack outlet. Preferably Ashnot's Altar that's going to give you two mana. You want an outlet that's going to give you mana when you sack a creature. And you're going to want a creature that enters the battlefield and creates at least, if you're running Ashnot's Altar, you're going to want something that creates at least two tokens along with it, like Grave Titan enters the battlefield, create two zombies. And you're going to want Nim Death Mantle on the battlefield. And uh, Nim Death Mantle basically is a two-drop artifact that says equipped creature gets plus two plus two has intimidate and is a black zombie which doesn't really matter here what matters is the second part that says whenever a non uh non-token creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield you may pay four if you do return that card to the battlefield and attach nim death mantle to it so what you're going to do is you're going to sack the two zombie tokens or the two corvold tokens whatever you want to get the four mana to pay the equip cost or the effect cost on them death mantle in which then you sack the grave titan or prosh to the altar get two more mana you're going to use the four mana you got from sacking the two plus tokens to return grave titan or prosh back to the battlefield with them death mantle equipped to it creating the tokens and then rinse and repeat over and over again you're going to net like infinite mana or an infinite uh, dudes, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's honestly a quite fun one. Uh, one that I ran in my zombie deck yep. whenever I had it at a time. I did too. Um, yeah, just the sheer fact that you get to not just create infinite dudes, but create infinite mana. All right, it's colorless, but hey, you get to do something. Yeah, you can, still, you, you can still sink that into a walking ballista. Yeah. <laughs> or like I run, uh, I use Deranged Hermit and Deep Forest druid the new card that creates four uh squirrel tokens and then i just create infinite squirrel tokens that with, nif- way. Nif- with the uh, nim death mantle nice. yep. yeah. I, I do that one uh, i mean literally any creature that etbs and creates you more than two creatures yep. and bam you got infinite dudes and infinite mana now and nif- the- nim death mantle being an artifact can go in any color deck which is pretty sweet yeah mm-hmm so now, I mean, besides Crows and Grip, what are some things to shut off this this combo? I mean, Crows and Grip. So is Crows a- and Grips are really good <laughs> yeah. cards. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically anything again that's going to uh, probably be in green, red, or white, to where you can destroy 
the artifacts, destroy the sack outlet that they have that's netting them the mana. Like, Ashnot's altar is, like, key, so you're going to want to blow that up. Yeah, for sure. Or exile the creature, like, exile grave titan. But even then, in response, you you know, it's usually already sacked on the on the stack, so what, what you just a, want to get rid of the, the altar. What about a disallow or a stifle, uh, a stifle effect whenever they go to um, activate the four to get it back? Yeah, that would, yeah. That, that would work. That would do it. Yep. Yeah, and stifle, stifle is what? Like, not even a $2 card? Maybe? Um, maybe? Between two and five, I think. Yeah, disallow, yeah. I think, is a four or $5 card. And, I mean, there's other things. Uh, yeah, like Tales Boyd End is a, new, is a new card yeah. that came out recently, and that's, yep. that's not expensive at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like we've been saying, the, the K-Grip is a common theme here. There are, some, there are several ways that you can go around, go around about it, but... Yeah, K grip is buku. Again, we'll enough, we'll you can also run uh, any uh, exile grave effect when yep. it when it hits the yep. graveyard before they can pay the four mana. You know, or once they pay the four mana in response, yep. exile their graveyard. Yep. Something With most like of this that. stuff, like we said before, it's really about knowing how many triggers are a part of what's going on and when you can respond. So. Um, just be familiar with priority. Be familiar with the way priority works when abilities go on the stack. So that way you know when is your time to respond to these sorts of things. You know what I mean? Like Honestly, the stack is the most complex thing to get in Magic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it like when I first started playing Magic, I was like, I only have to care about these numbers yeah. in the bottom right corner. I, yeah, I literally like did not know what the stack was until I was like a year or two into playing Magic, and I've only been playing for like four years. Yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, like it, it's something that takes, you know, some modicum of research, yeah. or you know, on I will say like in the game learning when someone's clapping you with some ridiculous combo. Uh, you know, because they'll say, like, well, while this is on the stack, I put this on the stack, and then that makes it infinite. Like, uh, the new Rouse Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, he can combo with himself and a copy spell. Yep. It's just like, he infinitely copies one yep. copy spell that copies the copy spell that copies the copy spell. Yes. And, and deals one damage. You. Yeah. Deals one damage for each time that happens. Yeah. That's the nice thing about being the, what's referred to as the active player. So it being your turn is what that means. Um, you can put as many things onto the stack as you'd like. Um, it's just when you want to allow f- effects to start resolving is when priority starts passing to the next player. So. And quite honestly, I mean, this is just me personally, but until I started playing like competitive EDH and stuff like that, I didn't really care. Yeah, no, you, it doesn't. It, honestly, it does not come up that often unless yeah. you're playing more combo-y stuff. Then the stack really matters. Yeah, whenever you're sitting like and you're playing casual Magic and you're just playing kitchen table, who cares who wins? Kind of deal. Like, let's see who can build the biggest wall and then try to break it. Kind of deal. It doesn't come up to as often. It, uh, exactly. Like in the first couple of years of me playing EDH and whatnot, I like I said, I didn't care. It, n- it never really came up. Like most of the time, you won by just swinging dudes. Yeah, yeah. And just winning. That yeah, it was way. completely irrelevant. Yeah. And then as like the evolution of like me becoming a better player and stuff like that, that's when the stack really started to come be more involved. And the more you understand the stack too, the more you can manipulate your plays. 
So, yeah. like, if you know when to put something on the stack, for example, or when to respond to something, it just makes for more optimal play. Yeah. And, I mean, unless you guys want to do a rundown today, we can do a, we can do an episode about this whole, the stack. Yeah, we, today. Can, we could definitely spend easily an hour talking about the stack and all yeah. the intricacies and stuff like that. I mean... Um, if you guys want to f- find something that makes your head hurt, uh, go research layering in Magic. That's some. That's one of the, it, probably the most intricate part of the rules is layers and how they affect the stack. I, I don't under. I still don't understand it. Well, that's <laughs> so. well, that's the thing. The stack and the layering it, is what ma- makes Magic the most complex game. Mm-hmm. Yep, card game for period. sure. I don't know if anybody saw that. You can make a physical computer with mm-hmm. Magic mm-hmm. because. Yeah. Like the way that it's so complex, you can you can compute data via a huge combo. Now it's obviously not really viable ever in any sort of thing, but in a two pl- in a two person magic game, you can make a computer. Uh, so yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I watched that video. It was actually very interesting and whatnot. Um, to go on back to our combo breaking scenarios, uh, do you got you want to go ahead and take uh, Ice Crown Scepter? Yeah. Uh, or another sure. one of our choice or yeah. of your choice here. Um, Ice Crown Scepter is a really uh, common, I'll say, because of the card that it combos with. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, uh, Dramatic Reversal. Dramatic Reversal is a pretty, pretty not expensive card. It's like twenty cents. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're cheap. 15, so it's a. Dramatic Reversal is a two-drop instant that says untap all non-land permanents you control. And you combo that with Isochron Scepter because Isochron Scepter is a two-drop artifact that has the imprint keyword. So when it enters the battlefield, you exile an instant card of two or less converted mana cost from your hand. And then what it does is you pay two mana, you tap Isochron Scepter, and then you cast a copy of the spell that you imprinted on it. So it's pretty self-explanatory. You cast Dramatic Reversal with Isochron Scepter. It untaps dramatic. Uh, it untaps the scepter, and hopefully, like mana at least rocks. three <clears throat> three mana worth of mana producing mana rocks. So like a Gilded Lotus will take care or of this dorks. for you. Yep, yeah, dorks. Yeah, yeah anything. Much. Yep. So it can easily net you infinite mana. It can easily net you infinite storm count, which is relevant. Um, but yeah, so my favorite way to do this is to either A, Crows and Grip. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the imprint mechanic is hilarious to stifle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is hilarious because uh, then they just have this... Isochron Scepter sitting on the board that does, that does absolutely yeah, nothing. That's something I've never actually seen at a kitchen table. I have seen one other hilarious thing, which was an instant speed, uh, one of the newer Eldrazi from battle, and okay. they placed the dramatic reversal into their graveyard. Because <laughs> it's oh, like, take from, a card from yeah. exile and place it in your opponent's graveyard. They're just like, oh, well, it's in exile, and we'll just put that in your graveyard. <laughs> and you, now you have an, yeah. now you have a isochron that does nothing. Really? Even if it's already been imprinted Correct. on the card, because it has to stay. in It's exile? just like Chrome Mox. Really? If you if you don't 
have a card that it can specifically reference as its imprint. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. So it's never been relevant for me either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody's ever done that. But yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. You if you get rid of the imprinted card, it does nothing. I like blowing up Isochron right when they go to make that first um, activation. Yeah, they activate it and yeah, put the and dramatic reversal on the stack, and yep. they're just like, blow it up. Yep. With yeah. a K-Grip. Not even a K-Grip, like, with the Nature's Claim. Yeah, it's Nature's like, Claim yeah, will do it. I, I mean, quite personally, like, since I run blue a lot, bouncing, I don't have a problem with it. That, that is hilarious, because then, yeah, then, then it they leaves lose the, the dramatic. Stuff. Then it they lose the dramatic yeah, frame. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sure, you can go ahead. You can put something else on there. Maybe you can put a counter spell, a yeah. trip, yeah. But for me, I'd say I like green because Rift Sweeper. Oh, you, you can. You, I was yeah. gonna say you, you like Greendale. The, you really? Can do the do same you? thing. I had no just, idea. I'm gonna take that card and print it under there and shuffle it back into your library. Now you just have a useless dramatic yeah, chapter. Exactly. That's good enough. And you know, just you know. One of yep. the cool cheeky things you can do with Isochron Scepter is the um, the infinite birds from Swan Song thing. Yep. So you can imprint your Isochron Scepter with um, dramatic reversal. You want to hit like a copy artifact or mirror made like from the new Eldraine set. Copy the Isochron Scepter. Um, you have to have Swan Song in your hand. Uh, then you're going to imprint Swan Song on the copied Isochron Scepter. Um, you still have to have the rocks and all that to like keep activating them and stuff. But basically, what you do is you activate the dramatic reversal. Uh, you counter it with your spawn song, no. Isochron. Isn't no. that how it is? You want to cast something, and then you start that loop by targeting. Okay, so cast like cast. a brainstorm yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and then basically the way it works is you're gonna continually just keep countering the stuff and get a bunch of birds. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's I mean, something that can be done. Like, I used to do it. I could... I've never pulled it off, but I could do it in my Arkham Dagson deck um, pre-Paradox Engine ban, and I can do it in Urza as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, Isochron, I think, is good enough to warrant a slot even if you're not gonna... Like, even if you can't throw Dramatic Reversal mm -hmm. underneath it. Uh, it's a pretty good free spell. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, I have this... You know, one copy. There's a uh, Final Fortune yeah, yep. uh, mm -hmm. combo with that where you take infinite turns with Sundial of the Infinite. Yeah, I was going to say you got to have the Sundial. So uh, that combo in particular uh, is Mono Red. Yeah. Uh, you can you can do it in Mono Red, which is hilarious because nobody expects, you know, an infinite turn combo in coming mono from red. Mono Red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so the, how that works is Final Fortune is a two-drop instant that says take an extra turn after this one. At the end of that turn, you lose the game. Mm -hmm. So that is actually a delayed trigger that says when you you know would end the turn, this goes on the stack. Now, Sundial of the Infinite, I believe it's a five-drop? I think Sundial is honestly like a two-drop. Is it really? Yeah, I think the me, activation... Yeah, let's look it up. Let me, let yeah. me give a look at it. We're not on point with our card stats. We do a lot of tonight. research yeah. before these episodes, everybody. <laughs> it is a two-drop. It is a two-drop with a one-drop... One That's dope. Activate. That's yeah. fantastic. That's, yeah. So it's five mana for the whole yep. shebang. You know, the sundial cost, the one activation, and then the two to activate the Isochron Scepter. Mm -hmm. So when you go to end your turn and lose the game, quote-unquote... Uh, that goes on the stack as an, a, a delay trigger of Final Fortune. 
and then you just sundial the infinite, which just ends the turn, which you can only do during your turn with sundial the infinite. Yep. So what ending the turn does is exiles all abilities on the stack. Yep. And because it's a delay trigger that only triggers once, it doesn't trigger on when you end your turn with sundial. So then you don't die, and you get another turn. And you can continue that and take infinite turns in mono red, which is hilarious. Um, which is also something, I mean, yeah, like like we said, it's something that you don't get to see very often, and it's something that, honestly, I mean, me sitting down against a red player wouldn't expect. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they are, like, seeding song on turn whatever, you know, if they're ritualing on, you could probably ritual this out on turn two or three, depending on your rock situation mm-hmm. in your hand. You could you could slap this down and just take infinite turns. Yeah, just yeah be like, pretty well, quickly. Super quick combo for mono red, and it's cheap. So, yeah, yeah, cheap money wise yeah, too. I don't most, think any of those cards are the are most expensive, expensive card is the Isochron Scepter, and they're only like a little over ten. So it's not like it's if you're gonna invest in something and you do want to spend a little more money on a card, Isochron's not a bad one. It can end you games in multiple different decks. Yep, but. We have a couple more. Um, I think the one that really matters uh, to talk about still is something that's going to be seen very uh, frequently is Lab Man. Yeah, exact- when to blow up Lab Man. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly call it a combo, but like it does say I win the game on the card. Yeah, and it's more. this is also more about just helping people stop other people from winning. You know what I mean? I think that's really what it's about. So knowing when to get the most effective... Um, you know, chance yeah. of blowing up the lab man is pretty relevant because lab man's very common. And, so, you know, they printed it down, downgraded to an uncommon. Yep. So, yeah. it's available to pretty much anybody. Yep. I think it's a three dollar card tops. Yeah. Well. And the thing is, not only do you stop them from winning, you cause them to lose if you manage if you do to get right. rid of yep. the lab man. So. As you're talking about it, when's the best time to blow up Lab Man? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, how have they drawn their whole deck? Is it a Doomsday situation where they're, uh, they're Doomsday, which is a three-drop black... Is it an instant? It's a sorcery. It's a sorcery. sorcery. It's a sorcery. Yeah, three-drop black sorcery that allows them to basically get rid of their entire deck and graveyard and choose uh, seven... Five. Five. See? I do a lot of research. <laughs> five cards... I only know so well because I used to have a cast Doomsday deck. Oh, okay. I've literally, you know, out of all my combo decks, I've never played a Doomsday combo Doomsday. (laughs) Just a quick side note. To run the most efficient Doomsday pile, you need a Lion's Eye Diamond. Like, you you need one. And it's just not a card I ever wanted to buy at the time. Now that I'm into spending a little more, I could maybe consider it. But, like, it's pretty... um, you can do Doomsday Piles that you win the game with without it, but the most efficient ones run the oh, Lion's Eye okay. Diamond. Yeah. So it's a little cost-restrictive to newer players. And that explains why so. I've never seen it around here yep. until Dave yeah. brought his Doomsday deck. Yeah, yeah. And Richard just... actually has a couple different Doomsday Piles that don't use the LED. Wow. I mean, he, he even has an LED. But he, like, like for example, in his Una, Queen of the Fae deck, he had a couple different ways to do it. They all pretty much involve the card Gush. Because it's a free yeah, hand trick, you know what I mean? Draw, so, so, yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, you're basically going to want to track how they're drawing the cards and then be able to respond by the removal of Labman when they're going to draw their final card that would be in their library. 
Now, you would want to get rid of the lab man if it's a if it's a blue sun zenith situation where it's an instant speed. Uh, blue sun zenith is three blue and X, which is target player draws X cards. Mm-hmm. So they can blue sun themselves if they have infinite mana, and in response to the blue sun for you know they'll say something absurd you know a million, a million. yeah, yeah. I blue sun myself <laughs> for a million with lab mana. Uh, you would want to respond to that trigger, yes, or that cast. Yeah, because once it resolves, the game is over. The game is over. They will attempt to draw more cards than they have in their deck, and will win the game because of lab mana. It is uninteractable if you let that go. goes off. Yep. Um, there's no chance for you, while Blue Sun is resolving, to blow up the Labman. Now, Labman in uh, a combo situation such as uh, Hulk, like Flash Hulk, um, some of the Hulk decks have the final draw trigger uh, coming off of... What's that wizard? A zombie. Yeah. Coming off of a zombie, <laughs> where they can tap a zombie or Labman, because he is a wizard, to draw the final card in their deck, and that's a little harder to do because you have to you have two triggers that you have yeah. to get rid of. I have yeah. firsthand experience with that. Adam used to run an Azami Labman win with that. Um, what deck was that? Was that that was uh, food chain? Was, was it Tazri? That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. So basically, he gets out the Azami, and all the time I would be like, "Okay, I blow up Labman." He's like, "Or he goes to tap Azami." And I'm like, okay, I blow Labman up with the tap of a zombie on the stack. And he's like, okay, I'll just respond by tapping the Labman for a second draw trigger. So, yeah, in that case, you'd basically need to get rid of both things. Sudden shock. Yeah. Split second. <laughs> Welcome to the Commander's Vault, sponsored by Split Second. The yeah. Mechanic. It's really good. It is really good. Um, but, no. So, basically, you you just want to lay out how they're drawing their cards. And that is the best time to check when they're tr- blowing up Labman. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or, you know, just going to still lose you the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, if they still have an instant speed way to draw cards on the field that you can see, obviously you can't know what's in their hand. You can't know if they have a brainstorm or something like that. But based on the board state, if you can tell that they can draw cards at instant speed, you might have just already lost the game. Um, you could try it, but you probably have already lost the game at that point. And quite honestly, this is... Probably the one of the only combos tonight that green doesn't have a chance against. I don't recall any green spells that will destroy a blue uh, a creature. Fight them. I mean, yeah, but you have you to could have beast it. within. Yeah, you could beast. Never mind. Yeah, but but still though, like it's doesn't it's no K grip, so it doesn't it yeah. doesn't have split second. Um, not that K grip helps in this instance anyway, but. I could just draw in response to the beast within potentially. Mm-hmm. So it's a, the green green might be just the most ill-equipped yeah. to deal with it. You know what I mean? But it can be done. It just really again, like JB said, it really depends on how they're drawing their cards. That's the number one like how to how do I deal with this? Because magic is literally the most complex game on the planet. Uh, it is there's so many extraneous factors yep. that say what you can or should not do. You know, in any situation, and yeah. Labman is one of the most versatile cards. It it's only one blue. It's two and a blue. Yep. And it just it can slot in any blue deck. Um, I've even I've even won in a mono black reanimator deck with somebody else's Labman. Yeah. How about it? Yep. You know, <laughs> like I've reanimated their Labman. Uh, 
You know, it's just a really good card. A lot of cards that say you win the game are usually pretty ridiculous. Like, trying to get whatever their effect is, is pretty ridiculous. Uh, Like Mortal Kombat, which is a four-drop enchantment, which was in Judgment and I think the 10th edition. It just says, if you have 20 or more creatures in your graveyard, you win the game. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, We were just talking about the green one. Was it Epic Struggle? If you have 20 creatures on the battlefield at the beginning of your upkeep, you win the game. That's that's rough. That's hard to do. And if you're, even Helix Pinnacle, if you know you got to sink a hundred mana into Helix Pinnacle to win, the game. you know so there's yeah, so it's a steep climb. there's so many cards that just say like, oh, if you do this, you win the game, or if you do this, they lose. You know, your opponents lose the game. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Most of those are really hard to do, but yeah. drawing a lot of cards and just having this guy out is it's, probably one of the easiest next to Felidar Sovereign. You it know, is like, fairly easy, it is yeah, for sure. Easy, yeah. If you have a way to, like, uh, flash out, like, if you have a Vidalcan Ori or something that allows you to, uh, a Yeva allows you to cast, is that only green creatures, Yeva? Yeah. Yeah. If you have any way that allows you to just flash in creatures, you can flash in uh, Platinum Angel. Yep. And then they draw all their cards, but they can't win the game and you can't lose the game. And that buy you some time, right? But they can still lose, too, so they would lose. Yeah, because okay. they can't win. So yeah. if you could do that, you could flash that yeah. in. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good way of putting yeah. it. I always forget it. I sleep on Platinum Angel because it is something that you see more at casual tables. You don't really see that. In the yeah, I, honestly, I, I can't remember the last Platinum Angel I've seen. It was from Dale for me, for sure. <laughs> like yeah, he, plays, no. he plays Platinum Angel pretty regularly. I think Duncan also plays Platinum Angel in like his correct deck. Um, it's something I've, I see it here. I don't see it like in our specific know. meta, but I, I see it here at the comic at the comics wall. Like I, I try to throw it in in some decks if I know like the meta is just really comboy, and if I can just get it out, it at least can help the rest of the table maybe get one more turn mm-hmm. to draw into something to stop the person who's going to combo and win the game. And yeah, it is one of those things that forces that combo player to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like that's always really nice because then they have to expend resources to try and deal with this table while the re- or to try and deal with this creature while the rest of the table is uniting against them. So you know they're combating this one permanent that's on board while three other players are like beaming them with a target. You know. I I will say though that getting like getting a lab man with you know if you're at the point in the game where they're draw a card win. Um, that means they have a lot of cards in their hand. And they're going to, if they even if they don't have a Thought Vessel, Reliquary Tower, Spellbook, one of those effects, um, they're going to have like probably the seven best cards in their deck for that situation in their yep. hand. Yep. So it is still going to be hard, Yeah. but not insurmountable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. No. Like, if, if somebody resolves and Enter the Infinite, you know, I'm like... Enter the Infinite is a ridiculously expensive card for mana, converted mana cost, but it draws you your whole deck. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I, you know, have not a lot of responses or whatever, I still have all of them in my hand. <laughs> yeah, and that that you know what back when I was just starting to play at a more you know synergistic level, and I was trying to do the show and tell or academy rector with uh omniscience and then cast enter the infinite i was still playing lab man (laughs) yeah yeah. you know like lab man was always there yeah you know 
since original Innistrad. And even less wonky combos than that with just leveler. Where you yeah, just remove your, leveler. your whole library from the game. I used to run that combo and leveler screwed me one time before I got a chance to put Labman out. And like, I think, what was it? I, I think it was a like Genesis wave or whatever. And Leveler came out. <laughs> oh, no. Yep, my and I was like, immediately afterwards, like, well, this card's coming out. This can't happen again. So, yeah. I mean, we even had a situation where the new Jace uh, won the game for another player. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I think I think that guy's going to be really mad if he listens to this because I'm going to, he's going to get flamed. But uh, he took somebody else's turn. Uh, and with that, what mind slaver? Right? Yeah, yeah, and that person had the new Jace on board, which uh, I do not remember the full name of it. But it's Jace Wheeler, Wheeler of Mysteries. Mm-hmm. That's right. From War. And his static ability is if you would draw no more, if you would draw and there are no more cards in your library, you win the game instead. Uh, so the the player whose turn he took control of had Leveler in hand, so he casts the Leveler. And then it's just like, well, I'm gonna get you out of the game, and he pluses Jace, which is like draw or mill two from somebody, somebody and draw a card. Somebody mills two, yep, and you and draw a card. So he won the game for the other player because it doesn't count if you win the game on their turn because you're taking their turn. That player still wins. Oh man, <laughs> I've never seen this shop just explode on that somebody. Was, that was, that was funny. so yeah, funny. Yeah, you were sitting right next to a player. I got to watch else, it happen. Right? I was. I was playing against somebody, and we were both looking each other in the eyes with the most frantic look as he's like, oh, you're just going to lose the game, and he plays this card, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like watching somebody like point a loaded gun at their foot and just be like, oh, man, just see if this works. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> he activates the Jace, and as soon as he activated the Jace, I was just like, the player that I was sitting across from, uh, Michael Ingram, and I were just laughing. We just, I could not stop laughing. And then we were just like, you just won him the game. I've, and I've never seen that happen. I'm pretty sure that was the Commander Tournament for War of the Sparks release. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. It was a tournament it was literally a, It was literally a brand new card that, like... I mean, I don't blame him for not researching every card, but at the same time, I would at least have RTFC, read, the, read bro. the board state. Like, yeah. RTFC. <laughs> but, uh. So that basically rounds out the combos tonight. If there's any uh, questions you have, any other combos you have questions to, be able to hit us up on uh, Instagram. I'll let these guys plug in their Instagrams for you. Whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you can ask us at the Commander's Vault. Um, Dale's Instagram is mtg underscore survivalist, jb. Uh, at CEDH Slave, and I'm uh, at Food Chain EDH. You can ask any of us. Um, between the three of us, we've got pretty good knowledge on combos and stuff, so we can definitely help you out as much as we can. And uh, you know, before we kind of wrap everything up, Dale, you uh, we have yeah, the this winner is the moment you guys been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for just hanging in there with us. A whole box of Modern Horizons. Go ahead. Yep. Without further ado, the winner of the booster box is at Lex underscore Winkleman. You are the lucky winner of a Modern Horizons booster box. Congrats. Yeah, congrats. Congrats. Man. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah thank you for listening. It a lot. Yeah, for everybody who entered into this uh, giveaway, everybody who tunes into this podcast, I mean, definitely 
that this show wouldn't happen without you guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we'd just uh, we'd just be you know four nerds sitting in a room talking about EDH to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice too. We really enjoy. Like as soon as Dale told us that there was feedback and questions about like things that people wanted to see, we were all over it. So we're definitely um, community oriented. Like, please give us more suggestions. We would love to t- talk about things that help your play get better. Um, give our insight. Like, you know, JB's been playing a long time here. We've all been playing for a decently good amount of time. Um, so we've got we've got answers to your questions. You know what I mean? And hell, like if I don't know, maybe JB does, or if J- Dale doesn't, maybe I do. Something like that. You know what I mean? So there's more than more than one or two people to bounce the ideas off of. Definitely. And we are pretty much available to, to interact even, you know. Oh, like, I'll totally yeah, hop on exactly. Instagram and work. For I don't real. care. <laughs> on, yeah. on one last note, too. Yeah, me and JB are going to be at uh, Command Fest DC. So, yeah, definitely. If you're going to be at that, uh, look for us. We'll be there. And it's we'll next probably, week, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think it's like nine days or something. Yeah, so, something like that. Sweet. That's yeah, look for the guys sweet. in the, command, in the uh, command, uh, Comics Vault hoodies. Um, yeah, we'll be down repping. There repping the squad. Definitely. <laughs> but... That's all we got for tonight, guys. Thanks for hanging out for the ride. Yep. Congrats. Again, we appreciate everything that you guys feedback to us, and we wish you continue feeding that to us and whatnot. Yeah. Congratulations again to at Lex Winkleman. Just shoot us a DM at the Commander's Vault or on Dale's page, MTG Survivalist, with your info so we can get this sent out to you as soon as possible. All right. Have a good night, guys. Cheers. Yep. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.